Thanks for tuning in to Why Life Science, a podcast produced by the BYU Life Science Museum at Brigham Young University. I'm Katie Knight. And I'm Austin Lambert. Our mission here at the Life Science Museum is to inspire wonder, understanding, and reverence for our evolving planet. So with this podcast, we are here to bring you stories and interviews about life science research and projects going on in the College of Life Sciences at BYU and in the local community. Visit our website, lsm.byu.edu, for more information and to access notes from each episode. Welcome to the Why Life Science podcast. Today we're here with Dr. Michael Whiting and Dr. Steve Levitt. Uh, We're glad to have you back, Dr. Levitt. Glad to be back. Uh, Today we want to talk about the Life Science Museum. Dr. Whiting, you're the new director of the museum as of August. That's right. Dr. Levitt, you're now the associate director. Associate director. Well, we're glad to have you here. We want to talk just about what your vision for the museum is and and really why this museum is an important resource to BYU's campus and the local community. But maybe first we can just talk a little bit about each of your backgrounds with the Life Science Museum. I'll start. Um, So I've had a really long relationship with this museum over many years. When I was a little kid, I would ride my bicycle outside this where the museum was being constructed. And I was able to watch and see day by day, make it larger and larger. And honestly, I was a little disappointed because I kept expecting them to have a a giant crane show up with a T-Rex that they would lower (laughs) down into, into the building. And that never happened. But I can remember the day that they first opened the museum. They had this great big open house. And that was the first time I walked up into the insect collection. And they had out these drawers of insects, one after another. And and I remember looking at honeybees and hundreds and thousands of them pinned up in those drawers. And I thought to myself, what in the world are these things used for? Why do they have all these things? And so from that time, uh, roughly 40 years ago to now, I've had a connection with this museum. Yeah. And you're an entomologist, correct? And I'm an entomologist, yeah. So that, I mean, that was what really got me into bugs was that first moment of walking through and seeing all this incredible diversity that I had never seen before. That's so, so cool. I was going to say, for those that don't know, an entomologist is someone who really likes bugs and uh, <laughs> studies them. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> likes them enough to try to make a living out of it. That's right. Yeah. So I think that really speaks to like the community aspect of the museum, and I have similar memories. I was, you know, probably ten years old, and I met the taxidermist here, and talked to him about how he did taxidermy. And I was just a kid, and it was this resource to the community. And later on, I came in as a graduate student, working with something, you know, pretty esoteric, our lichen collection. And I would spend hundreds, thousands of hours in the basement at the, at the museum working away on these lichens so you know from that early on community connection to like a a student connection and now professional connection it's just been a part of community for a long time i imagine for some people it may seem obscure to spend a life studying insects or lichens but it does play a larger role and and i think that's what we want to talk about next is what role does uh, a natural history museum play in the community you've both talked about the impact it's had for each of you in the community here, but what do you see the Life Science Museum's role as? Yeah, so a, a natural history museum serves many purposes. One of, the, one of the first primary purposes is that it is a record of biodiversity. 
So recently, just this last week in the United States, they listed 23 species as officially extinct. Well, how do we know that these species were extinct? Well, we know because somewhere in some museum, people had collected these specimens, had preserved them, had all the information associated with where they were found and the, the sort of biological situation they were, they were collected in. And so a museum then is a library. It's this incredible library of, of biodiversity with so many different species in, in our collections. So for instance, at the, the BYU Life Science Museum, we've got over 3 million specimens of, of insects in our collection. We have some insects in our collection from places in the world where they will never be collected again. We are the only ones who hold examples of this biodiversity. So that's one, that's, that's one purpose, right, is, is this library of biodiversity. A second reason is that we have an educational outreach. We have a mission to help people understand that there are really some important issues going on in the world today. We're in a biodiversity crisis. We're in a climate crisis. And what we want to do as a museum is help people understand the things they can do to help us save this biodiversity. I like that. So a lot of the stuff that we look at and study at museums, it may not be appreciated or people may ask, well, you know, what, what is the point of, of an insect, of a beetle, or what is the point of a lichen? And things have value whether or not we esteem that they have value. And that's part of the, the I think, a fundamental part of our mission is to document and characterize that, that diversity and provide opportunities for students and the public to engage with it in new ways. Um, and simply because we don't value something as a society doesn't diminish the fact that diversity is valuable and important in all forms, even if it is lichens um, or whatever we study. If I understand right, as being a new director, you've now updated the mission statement of the museum? Yeah, that's correct. So what we want to do is we want to focus on three major points. The first thing is when people walk through our doors, we want them to look around and just be kind of amazed, right? So we want to inspire wonder. And you can do that, right? As, as you look at a bunch of beetles, if you look at a giraffe, even I guess if you look at lichen, Steve, <laughs> one might be inspired, right? So that's, that's the first thing is, is, is the wonder. The second thing is we need to provide a context so you can understand it. Why are there so many different kinds of beetles? Why are lichens so fascinating? Why is it that, appears that it appears that lichens break all the rules when it comes to species and comes to evolution and comes to life, right? And so what we want to do is provide that understanding. And then the third thing we want to do is with the combination of that wonder and that understanding, what we hope that all of the visitors walk away with is a reverence. A reverence not only for a creator, um, but also reverence for the world that is around us. And a, and a feeling that we need to respect it, we need to take care of it, that we have stewardship over it. Yeah, I think our listeners are going to be a little bit familiar with that as we, we have that mission statement attached to the beginning of our episodes. And, and we hope that this podcast is then a resource to help with that, that mission statement to inspire wonder and understanding and reverence for uh, the natural world. For me, it's neat because, as Dr. Whiting has explained, it's after you have have that kind of awe moment, that wonder, and then you learn about it, 
that you realize how worthy it is, as Dr. Levitt was mentioning, how worthwhile every organism is and that there is a need to take care of it. Yeah, and, and I don't think that the listeners recognize how much they do not understand about beetles or how much they do not know about lichens. And once you start learning these additional things, you, you think to yourself, well, these are amazing creatures. What does this tell us about the world around us? What are my responsibilities to preserve and protect this world? And I think everybody knows this, but just to be clear, this is not a museum of insects and lichens. <laughs> we do have other collections. Well, let's talk then about the museum and, and moving forward. Uh, what is it that, that people might see changing going forward with the museum? Yeah, so, so one fundamental change that, that, that we're working on right now is how we actually put our exhibits together. So the BYU Life Science Museum, we are fully invested into the mission of BYU and the aims of a BYU education. One of the things that we as a museum can provide is unique opportunities for our students to learn how to communicate science in new sorts of ways. And so because of this, we are embarking on a, a new, a somewhat scary kind of <laughs> initiative, which brings in teams of students to assemble new sorts of exhibits, which are built by BYU students for BYU students, with the idea that we're going to focus on current and critical content. And by current and critical content, what I mean is there's a lot of issues that we're all facing in the world today. And while it is super nice and super cool to come in and see a couple giraffe and see how tall they are, really the, the things that are important to our students today are things such as climate change and COVID-19 and what we can learn from that pandemic. One of the things that the university has recently been pushing is, a, is an initiative for equity and belonging. So we are a museum of biodiversity. You know, we can look at beetles and appreciate all the different colors or, or lichens or even birds and mammals, Steve, maybe. right? And, maybe. and fish, right? Maybe. maybe we can appreciate those things as well. But oftentimes we're pretty blind to our own species and we don't recognize and appreciate the biodiversity, the incredible diversity within Homo sapiens. So we are going to be addressing those issues from a scientific standpoint to let people understand why it is so important that we're inclusive and that we, we foster belonging in our community. One thing I love about this, and as I've studied biodiversity myself, is that in order for species to survive, we need biodiversity. You can apply that to our own human race. For us to thrive and survive, we need to be diverse and inclusive yeah, and we, and we have a fascinating historical past. We have a direct connection to the rest of the biological species which are out there. And for me, you know, that gives me a sense of wonder, but it also gives me a sense of reverence. So we're going to talk about that. But also with the emergence of Homo sapiens, you had what we refer to as different races. And, and we're all familiar with races. We're all familiar with... The, the amount of conflict that we're experiencing uh, across the world with this. But what we want to do is we want to we outline what is the biological basis for race. And does race exist, or is this just a cultural construct which has no biological meaning? 
So we're going to get into the science of it, but this is going to be connected to this, this notion that we are all about biodiversity and appreciating and doing everything we can to conserve it. And folks who have visited the museum often will see young school-aged children running around and exploring the exhibits. And that's a fundamental part of, of what we do here, and that, that'll be maintained. But in addition, as you're, as you're hearing from Dr. Whiting, we're going to explore some, some um, pretty powerful topics, and we want to have uh, students here at BYU engaging with those. We want to have parents of, of the children engaging with those. We're going to engage with a broader range by, by really focusing and f- confronting some of these challenging issues that have long been a little bit taboo in terms of what we do and discuss. Well, and I think of the importance as well of this critical content. You never know what, what student or, or child will come into the museum and, and be impacted in similar ways as to each of you uh, by one of these exhibits that is discussing climate change or even the importance of biodiversity and diversity within the human race. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, what we're trying to do is we, we want to give understanding. We have faculty here at BYU who study all these things, who are some of the top scholars in the world when it comes to these issues. We have students who go through their education and are trained in these things. But what we haven't done is, is done a good connection between these faculty and these students and what we put on our exhibits at the museum. So this is a this is a win-win situation, right? This this allows the visitors of the museum to have a new sort of experience and it provides our BYU students with a new way to try and communicate science. Yeah, in fact, this podcast is a new way to try to communicate science and Austin is a student and he's been producing these episodes and doing an excellent job. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so yeah. now, now we're done. You get an A, Austin. You can, you can uh, turn it off and we'll be done. Yeah. But again, this, I think, demonstrates clearly that we have incredible students here at BYU. And we want to help facilitate those opportunities where they can shine and highlight some of those, those great talents that they've developed as students and do it within a scientific framework, an evidence-based framework, rather than um, relying on Facebook or, or other options to come up with with your interpretation of the world. And one of the fundamental things we're going to do here at this museum is explain what science is and how it is that scientists reach the conclusions they do. You hear the common refrain today of, you know, on whatever topic, go do your research, right? But the sort of research one does by sitting down and and looking at Facebook or Twitter is not the same thing which is done by scientists in double-blind studies with statistical analyses and very carefully designed experimentation. And so what we will do in this museum is spend time talking about the nature of science and how it is we know what we know. And bounding our interpretation by the limitations of the types of data and, and whatever else it is. So it's that nuanced perspective that I think is really powerful that we can also provide at the museum. I feel that museums really do provide then uh, a place to come and learn the scientific process and learn to understand how conclusions are drawn from data and understand then uh, why we can trust data or yeah. why we can trust conclusions that another person has drawn. It, it helps, I think a museum helps each individual learn then how to interpret 
science for themselves. It, it does, and it emphasizes the point that what we do in science is data-driven, right? So you can think about the early days of the pandemic, and the first recommendation which came out was do not mask. We collected more data, and the data suggested, yes, we need to mask. Then after a while, the vaccinations came out, and they said there's not a need to mask anymore. And then finally, with the spread of the Delta variant, there is a need to mask again. And people get frustrated, right? Because they say to themselves, well, why can't the scientists get their story right? Why can't they pick one story and stick to it? But that is the virtue of science, that you follow the data. And as the data change, you can interpret, you can change hypotheses, you can change recommendations. And that is not the vice of science, that's an actual virtue of it. And as a community, that is a beautiful ability is to be able to follow that self-correcting process to improve how we behave in our understanding of the world. Um, and I think we do that in some really great ways here at the museum. Yeah, it's not a story that a scientist picks, right? Like you said, it's, it's the data that tells us what the story is. Exactly. So one of the things we'll be doing is we'll be discussing data and data interpretation and why it is, for instance, that the consensus among scientists is that climate change is real, that the effects we've seen this last year between the fires and the storms and the, the lakes uh, boiling with fish that are dying, that all these things are driven by climate change and the data support that conclusion. The idea is not to make everybody depressed about what a horrible situation we're in, the idea is to make people feel empowered, to recognize that, yes, there are some major problems we're dealing with, but we have the tools to deal with them, and we each have our own personal responsibility. So again, the hope is that when you come into the museum, you get the wonder, you get the understanding, and then you leave with the reverence, the reverence which says, hey, maybe I can change my behavior in such a way that I can be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Yeah, it's an optimistic feeling that you, we want people to leave with rather than the world's going to come to an end. It's more like, oh, I, I love this world and yeah. I want to care for it. And there'll still be lots of beetles to look at. Right. Yeah. So then for students or our listeners that want to, to come to the museum and, and learn these new things, uh, when can they start expecting some of these exhibits to be put in place. Yeah, so we are we are in the conceptual stage right now where we are developing the content which are going to go into these exhibits and we anticipate this is going to continue through the end of the year. We will start construction of exhibits in January and the, right now the goal is by spring to start having some of these exhibits come online. And then for students that you say are designing these exhibits, uh, if they aren't already involved in that process, what can students at BYU be doing to get involved? So we are connected to a number of classes, which um, we reach out to students in these classes and have museum-based assignments. We are always looking for people who have passion and interest in volunteering on some of these topics for some of these exhibits. And what we will do is we'll, we'll place a link on our website which allows you to, to sign up if you'd like to be involved with, with one of these projects. And I have to highlight with this, 
the fact that we have at the museum, we have professional educators, we have professionals uh, that do exhibit design, and coupling that skill with our students, again, that's how we get these transformative and moving exhibits. Um, and it's not that the students are driving everything, but they're mentored by fabulous faculty and, and professionals here at the museum. Yeah, this is a new brave experiment we're doing here at the BYU Life Science Museum, right? Because I'm not aware of any other museum which has student-driven exhibits. This is something entirely new to us, but, you know, think about how amazing this is where you can have microbiology students teamed up with science education students, teamed up with artists and people from design, and working together to come up with this content which is so critically important for the, the time in which we live. From what I've learned here is the museum is really a resource for students, for locals in the community, for even those that are accessing resources online to come and learn uh, the truth that has been made through observation of the world around us and, and it helps educate us and make us not just in awe at the world around us but have a reverence that helps us to go out and, and be better. Uh, members of the community and, and better members of a, a global ecosystem. And that fits perfectly with the mission of BYU, right? Lifelong learning, go forth to serve. Well, is there anything else that, that either of you would like to add here at the end of our interview? Yeah, make sure you come see our Narwhal exhibit. I'm going to give it another plug for that. Um, and that's from the Smithsonian? That's from the Smithsonian. It's a visiting exhibit. It's only here through January. So make sure you come in and see that. Um, that's a, it's a wonderful exhibit. It's, it inspires wonder and understanding and reverence. Come by and, and see it and, and keep in touch with what we're doing at the museum. I, th I think the staff could tell you at the museum we are undergoing a seismic change in how <laughs> things are occurring here. And this is all done with the idea that we are a part of BYU. We're a part of the mission and we want to provide these amazing opportunities to our students. Yeah, and just to clarify, the Narwhal exhibit will be here through January 9th. Come before it's gone. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming. We're excited. You can feel that seismic movement <laughs> when you come in, and, and it's exciting. And it's, it's in it, a, good, a good way. It's in it a is. good it's way. It's exciting. Okay. Thank you very much. Nice talking with you both. Yeah, thank you so much.